bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is January 23rd, 2018. Today marks 16 years since the first Novogratik and Company New Markets Tax Credit Conference. I know many of our listeners were with us that week as we talked about the then newly created New Markets Tax Credit Program. The first day of the conference covered what the New Market Tax Credit Program was, and in the second day covered what to expect with the New Market Tax Credit Allocation Program and what it would mean to qualify as a Community Development Entity or CDE. Now fast forward 16 years later, and we're about to host our 2018 New Markets Tax Credit Conference this week in San Diego. We're going to discuss how tax reform will affect community development investing. We'll talk about the current status of tax credit, equity pricing, and much more. We're also going to discuss a newly enacted program, a program that provides taxable game deferral and taxable game exclusion for investments in opportunity zones. But enough about that. Let's turn to this week's podcast. This week, I'll discuss the government shutdown and its end. I'll also discuss the future of the Tiberi Neal Low Income Housing Tax Credit Improvement and Enhancement Bill now that Representative Tiberi has stepped down from Congress. For those listeners who haven't heard, I'll reveal the new Republican lead, and then I'll close out this week's podcast with other tax rate headlines over the past week. If you're ready, let's get started. Well, the government reopened yesterday after a brief three-day shutdown. Funding for the federal government had expired early Saturday morning after lawmakers failed to reach a spending deal. After a weekend of continued negotiations, the Senate yesterday on Monday reached a compromise. The compromise will keep the government funded until Thursday, February 8th. The Senate advanced this funding bill on a vote of 81 to 18. Then the House passed the bill 266 to 150 before sending it to the president for a signature, which he did. So the government is now back up and running, at least for now. Now, considering that the government did shut down briefly, and a shutdown could happen again in just over two weeks, on the morning of February 9th, I wanted to talk briefly about how a shutdown affects HUD and the IRS, two agencies of particular note to our listeners. Now, there are two main challenges for HUD during a shutdown. One is a lack of staffing and the other is insufficient funding. Of these two issues, staffing shortages in some ways are the bigger immediate concern during and after a shutdown. Having insufficient staff leads to severe processing delays across the board. Delays in approvals of existing payments and new funding. According to HUD's contingency plan, a plan for a shutdown, fewer than 300 That's right, fewer than 300 of HUD's 7,800 employees are exempted from a furlough during a shutdown. So, with only 300 uh, employees, or fewer than 300, what does it mean? Well, you may have seen my retweet yesterday of HUD's announcement on Monday morning regarding, at the time, the shutdown. In the tweet, HUD said it would not post any new updates or respond to questions until normal operations resume that is, until after the shutdown ended. Now, these short-term inconveniences 
can translate into longer term concerns and issues. When the government shut down, project funding and financing suffered the direct delay caused by the shutdown naturally, but there's also an additional delay in that critical work not done during a shutdown gets priority over other activities. And project funding payments and financing approvals can fall into this latter category of getting delayed due to the priorities for other activities. There are certain things that have to get done. Things can't get done during the shutdown. When the shutdown is over, government has to come back, deal with those critical items that weren't done during the shutdown. So those items that can be pushed back do get pushed back. So it is stating the obvious to point out that delays in project funding hamper the ability of private owners to meet their debt service payments uh, and other funding requirements. Possible financing delays beyond sheer funding delays, but financing delays include delays in contract renewals and delays in completing rental assistance demonstration contracts. And beyond these more direct effects, there's also broader concerns within the Fort Western community that delays caused by a government shutdown might deter private investors and lenders from future participation in affordable housing investments. Now the bottom line is that a government shutdown is detrimental to affordable housing production and preservation. Now, let's discuss how a shutdown affects the IRS. Similar to HUD, government shutdowns delay non-essential IRS work. That non-essential work includes providing guidance about the new tax law, something that we at Novogratic and I know many of our listeners are anxious to get. Now for the IRS, a large number of employees, just over 40%, actually does stay on, stay on the job during a shutdown. Now, while that's a large percentage, much larger than the percentage at HUD, this staff is generally assigned to tasks that you would expect need to be maintained even during a shutdown. They are critical tasks. These tasks include such things like IT personnel, staying on site to ensure that taxpayer information is protected, Collections employees need to stay around to ensure that tax payments and tax deposits are processed and received by the federal government. Attorneys need to stay on to ensure that court filing deadlines aren't missed. The criminal investigation division at the IRS needs to continue their investigations. Also, the IRS has to continue their preparation for opening the tax filing season on January 29th. The tax filing season needs to open up whether or not there's a government shutdown. And also during the tax filing season, IRS customer representatives do stay available for contact from taxpayers as to questions about the filing season. That said, a number of workers, more than or nearly 60%, are not around. And that staff includes a large portion of those responsible for providing future guidance. I do note, Office of Management Budget Director Mick Mulvaney had said last Wednesday that the impact of a shutdown of the government on implementing the tax bill would be very temporary in nature, and that the overall impact of a shutdown on new tax law work would be negligible. Now, that's clearly true, from my perspective, when the shutdown is one day, but if there is a longer-term shutdown, that becomes less true. So, in conclusion, The government shutdown was very brief and is unlikely to have long-term, notable administrative or even political effects. But 
Stay tuned for February 8th, the next government funding deadline. If nothing else, this recent short-term government shutdown has sensitized us all to the fact that when you fund the federal government through a series of continuing resolutions, you've heightened the possibility of government shutdowns. Looking forward towards February 8th, beyond avoiding another government shutdown, on the advocacy front, affordable housing supporters are asking Congress to include tax extenders in a fiscal year 2018 spending package. You might be thinking, well, there's not really a tax extender associated with affordable housing to speak of. However, including extenders would provide a vehicle to include all or parts of the Cantwell Hatch and T. Barry Neal low-income housing tax credit legislation. Also, for those interested in other issues, an extenders bill is the vehicle to extend orphaned renewable energy investment tax credit technologies and also could be a vehicle to extend the new market tax credit beyond the year 2019. Speaking of the Tiberi Neal affordable housing legislation, Representative Carlos Corbello of Southern Florida has received unanimous consent from the House to take over from retired Representative Tiberi as the lead sponsor of the bill, that is H.R. 1661, titled the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. Affordable housing advocates have been working closely with Representative Carbello and other Ways and Means Republicans to reinvigorate House Republican support for the bill. H.R. 1661's Republican champion, Representative Tiberi, may have retired, but the need for the bill continues and the effort toward enactment endures. In other recent developments, we at Novogratic last week posted an analysis as to the possible effects of the 2018 changes in small area fair market rents. 24 areas are required to use small area fair market rents this month, and the results are mixed. More zip codes will see a decrease in the fair market rent in 2018, but the average fair market rent will go up. Now, my partner Thomas Stagg from our Seattle Metro office wrote a blog post that explains the changes. You can read Thomas's blog by going to www.novaco.com slash blog. In other headlines, I have troubling news that could affect affordable housing and historic preservation investments in New York. Governor Andrew Cuomo last week proposed requiring to defer the use and refund of certain tax credits until December 31, 2020. That's for tax credits that exceed an aggregate of $2 million per investor. Now, among the tax credits that would be affected are the low-income housing tax credit, the Brownfields Redevelopment Tax Credit, and the Historic Tax Credit. Now, this is just a proposal for now. The state legislature would need to pass it. So what does this mean for our clients and industry colleagues in New York? Well, many of the investors in affordable housing, Brownfield Redevelopment, and Historic Preservation in New York are banks and other institutions that also receive other types of tax credits. Examples include the state employment tax credits and empowerment zone credits. Now, in some cases, the aggregate amount of tax credits an investor qualifies for could easily be more than the $2 million threshold proposed by the governor. Many of those credits that exceed $2 million would then be deferred until 2020 if enacted. Now, the last time New York implemented a tax credit deferral like this was in 2010 through 2013. So this isn't something that's not going to happen. It has happened before. 
many transactions back then were stalled and many tax credits, state tax credits, were repriced, taking into account the delay in receipt of the credits. Sponsors and investors who are in the middle of deals currently should be in clear communication with each other and they should consult their tax professionals as to how they want to handle this potentiality. If you have any questions about the proposal and how it could affect your transaction, feel free to contact my partner, Charlie Ruda. He's in our Boston office and also works out of our New York City office quite a bit. Now, turning to a positive note, a bill was introduced to create a Hawaii State Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit for energy storage. If passed, the bill would create a 30% credit for systems placed in service after June 30th, which would gradually step down to a 10% credit for systems placed in service after December 31, 2021. Two previous attempts to pass energy storage incentives have failed. That said, we're optimistic this time, and I'll keep you posted in future podcasts as the bill advances. Before we close, I have some news from Denise Muha of the National Leased Housing Association. She asked us to share this with our listeners. The National Leased Housing Association, NLHA, is seeking applicants for its annual scholarship program. Tuition scholarships are available for people living in federally assisted housing or have Section 8 vouchers. Residents can apply at www.hudnlha.com. Application to due April 18th. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. I do hope to see many of you this week at our Novogradic 2018 New Markets Tax Credit Conference in San Diego. We're going to hear from the City of I Fund on when we might expect the 2017 New Market Tax Credit allocation to be announced. I'll also moderate a discussion on the New Market Tax Credit in the landscape of tax reform, or the landscape of post-tax reform. If you haven't yet registered, you still can. Go to www novaco.com slash events. Also at the conference, we're going to provide an overview, a special panel on the new Opportunity Zone program. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.